Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Blue Devils Podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. So excited to have you here with us on this Thursday as it's the number one podcast talking daily Duke Athletics updates. We appreciate you being part of the community. Give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Uh, joining us on the program today, I'll say it, my favorite guest in the Lockdown Blue Devils squad. The most frequent guest, I should say, as well as Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast now joins me today on the show. We'll recap Tuesday's win over Pitt and look ahead to the rest of the season here for Duke. Josh, how you been, man? How's your last week been? Man, it's been really good following this Duke basketball team. I tell you what, if I'm, uh, if my life is going as, as well as Duke basketball's is going right now, then uh, then I'm living a good life. Yeah. Uh, but they've been, man, it's been really really fun uh, watching this team like come together, man. So it's been a good week. Been a good week for sure. We, uh, we were talking just a moment ago that since we last spoke, Duke has won uh, both of their games by an average of twenty-seven and a half points. So. Uh, haven't had any games where you're nervous. You're curious how the end of it is going to be. It's kind of been like, okay, what exactly is the final score going to be? Because against Syracuse on Saturday, Duke jumped out to a 48-18 to lead in the first half and won by 25. And then on Tuesday, they defeated Pittsburgh by 30. I mean, just really impressive offensive numbers from Duke. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you've been a Duke fan for any length of time, I think we've seen this this type of Duke performance, but it's always been earlier in the season. And as we've gone on throughout the season, it seems like we come stumbling into the ACC tournament or we're, we barely make it in. You know, we're not playing that well, and we we muster it up for the Carolina game, but you can tell we're tired. And I would just say this, and I know you, haven't, you didn't ask this question, uh, but I believe the reason why we're seeing this Duke team kind of peak right now uh, here in March is because if you think back in November, December, and January, Coach K really did what he does not typically do, and that is he played nine guys consistently. Right. Everybody got minutes. Bates Jones was getting minutes. Bates was probably getting five or six minutes a game, resting uh, Apollo. Uh, Joey was getting 15 minutes a game. And then, of course, you had the, the whoever came off the bench at that time, but now it's Jeremy and Theo. But I do believe that, that we're not seeing our guys look so dead tired because we did play uh, a good number of people. We had uh, several games where we were able to sit our guys early, and I think we're reaping the benefits of it, to be honest with you, here at the end of the season. It's been fun to watch this team play. The ability to share the basketball has been something that stood out, and I know in particular recapping the win against Syracuse, I discussed a season-high 26 assists for Duke on 32 made shots, or 35 made shots, excuse me, 26 assists on 35 made shots for the Blue Devils, the best performance that they had had at that point in the season. And then also this past uh, Tuesday when Duke took on Pittsburgh, they made 32 shots, only had 14 assists. So didn't necessarily have the stats to back up the ball distribution, but it really was a mixture of everybody chipping in in the past two wins. And if Duke can do that come March, and there's not a whole lot of ball stopping, a lot of heavy isolation sets and that sort of thing. That's where Duke's at their best. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, you got Syracuse. And if we just got the ball to the middle of that zone, 
I mean, it, it, Paulo Bancaro was built for that. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he would just get it, and if he didn't have the open shot, uh, he would look for Mark. If they sag back on Mark, he would take it in the lane. By the way, uh, Paulo Bancaro, reminiscent of Zion Williamson, gets fouled every time he takes the ball to the basket. It gets called about 50% of the time. But he literally gets fouled every time he goes strong to the basket. But uh, that was beautiful basketball. I mean, we, we, we ripped that zone apart. If we weren't getting it to Mark in the dunker spot, Paulo was hitting that little jumper, or we were kicking it out, Paulo found that corner three, uh, you know, we it, it was just a really fun game to watch. AJ went what six I did notice, 10 from three. Yeah, so in the last two games, Paulo's seven for 10. I believe that's the number. He's seven for 10 from three in the last two games, which is which is incredible. Uh, but even this, this game against Pittsburgh, I noticed them running some different offensive sets, and we weren't standing around, and we were moving the ball. In fact, I, there was one set. I wish I could remember all the details of it, but it was that Paulo was a screener at the beginning, and then he came off of after he screened, he came off a double screen to get the ball um, there at, at the at the three point line, and then he was able to get downhill. And so, like we've talked about our struggle in getting Paulo Bencaro the ball where he can score, and I think we're at least working through that right now, where he seems to be more comfortable. And of course, it always is better when you're hitting your shots. So he went from not hitting, being able to hit anything, to. 70% from three in the last two games. 21-point games, by the way, both his last two games. Really impressive from Paulo, and that's what you love to see after having, uh, you know, eight straight games where he did not go over the 20-point mark, and now he's back into uh, some top-scoring form. Yeah, let's talk about those shooting numbers, okay? You've got Paulo, who's 7 of 10 his last two games since we last spoke. Uh, the last two games for Trevor Keels, 6 of 12. A lot of that from the 5 of 8 performance from three against Pittsburgh. And then against Syracuse alone, A.J. Griffin went 6 of 10 from three-point distance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is and, – and it's funny because at the beginning of the season, we were concerned about the three-point shooting of this team. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Right. And this has turned into – it may be the best – I would love to see at the end of the year if we go back and compare. I'd love to see, you know, what, what new team shoots the ball better as a team. Uh, from three. I don't know that we've ever had a team shoot the ball better. I mean, Wendell, if Wendell Moore is open and he can really set his feet, man, that thing's going in. Right. It's going in. Jeremy Roach, I mean, when Jeremy misses, it's a soft miss. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if right. he misses, it's, it's going to roll right out. It's just – and then you got Joey. I mean, Joey coming in, Joey's going to uh, – it's, it's a really, really beautiful thing to see. And once again, the legs are still there. We're not tired and the shots are falling. I think it all works together. Did you think A.J. Griffin was going to be able to sustain this level of shooting throughout the season? Because I didn't. I mean, there's just no way I thought someone would be able to keep shooting at the clip that he has, and he's doing it. Oh, absolutely. I think it's 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 different, too, because he doesn't have your typical, like, knockdown lethal shooter. He doesn't have that same motion. His shot takes a little bit of time to get right. up, and I think that's something he's going to have to work on in the next level for sure. Uh, so he looks a little unorthodox, and that's that was the part for me. I'm thinking, man, this is certainly going to wear out. But evidently, I mean, Coach K has made the statement that AJ has the softest shot that he's seen in a long time, and man, he does. Uh, so I, I love to see it. Um, you know, it obviously looks like AJ is a, as much as possible. You know, getting back to 100% from off of that injury. He still, when he went up and got that putback dunk or the offensive rebound and dunk uh, last night, I still feel like A.J.'s got like three or four more inches 
that he's going to get to get back to normal. Uh, but man, he is, his legs are there to shoot those threes. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's a lot of fun. Duke is ACC regular season champions for the first time in over a decade. The first time since 2010. We're talking all about it today on Locked On Blue Devils. Josh Cox joins me to continue the conversation right after this. Today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness, just a few weeks away. We're in March right now. And that means you need to start thinking about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going to go with the usual or are you looking for the best? Because we've done our homework on everything and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe run your pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets at Locked On there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Moving forward here today on Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson, hanging out with my buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. We praised a lot of outside shooting, as we should, over the past two games for Duke. Again, they won those games by an average score of a, a 27.5 point margin. All right, let's give some love to Mark Williams, though, because he comes off a career-high 28-point performance and 12 rebounds against Syracuse. Yeah, I'm sure Mark Williams would say anytime you want to go 2-3 zone uh, with the shooters that Duke possesses, Mark is going to love that because you have to respect the corners. And when that ball gets to the high post, it is two-on-one. And I, I can tell you this, Mark Williams and Paula Bancaro two-on-one, I will take that 10 times out of 10. And Mark was in the exact right spot. Um, he knew exactly where to be in that zone. And man, he was made and built for that. And so just an incredible performance. I mean, a career night for him. Um, and then also on the boards, you know, a lot, right. that, that was, that was big because, you know, we've seen Mark in the past score points and we've seen him block shots and every now and then, you know, you look down and you're like, man, did he really only have three rebounds, you know, or something like that. Um, but man, he, he really hit the boards hard too. And just, what an incredible game that he had against Syracuse. He's got, uh, again, 28 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks. He followed it up against Pittsburgh. Mark was on the floor for 21 minutes, just two rebounds and two points, only took four shots. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Josh. I think the point here to be made, because it is interesting, right? You've got a career-high performance in 28 points, and then literally two or three nights later, you only scored two buckets. You got one dunk in the game, and that was it. But as we said – when you've got six players on your roster who at any given night can give you 15-plus on the floor, there's only one basketball, and it's only a 40-minute game. And so sometimes I think your numbers just kind of fall off, and that's kind of what happened for Mark Williams against Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah, when you are when you have a team that's reliant on one main scorer that kind of plays hero ball, um, you know, obviously these things matter a whole lot more. This team shares the ball. In my opinion, this team – maybe a little bit too unselfish in a way. Um, but at the end of the day, you're exactly right. There are six guys on this roster that can throw 15 points on the board any given night. And that's not including Theo John, who Theo could be in double figures easily every game. Right. 
Um, and so, yeah, you We've know what? Joey There's, and double figures that, you know, like Joey absolutely. can knock down some shots from the outside. For and, sure. Those, all those things can happen. And there's one basketball, there's 40 minutes uh, to play on the court. And so at the end of the day, there will not be a game this year that every one of our top six offensive players are going to have incredible games. One or two of them are going to be a little, they're either not going to get the number of shots or they're just not going to fall, whatever it is. Um, and so I really love that about our team is that we get, we went into Pittsburgh, uh, by the way, who has a really, really good big man. Um, and we went into Pittsburgh and Mark only scored two points and we won by 30. That just tells you that this team is a juggernaut. You could say that again, Josh. Say that last part again about the dominance of the game. Yeah, we go in against Pittsburgh. With a good, with an incredible big man, Mark Williams scores two points, and we win by thirty. That's incredible. I mean, that's why I needed you to say that again. He has two following a twenty-eight point performance, and you're still uh, winning by thirty on the scoreboard. Amazing. So that means Duke uh, claims the number one seed in the ACC tournament. They've got the ACC championship if everything goes well, and they can win on Saturday. It's an outright title. There's no way for any other team to tie them up. They're going to have the one seed officially because they've got the head-to-head win over Notre Dame. But uh, I know we've got one game left, and we're going to spend plenty of time on North Carolina and what Saturday means for Mike Krzyzewski going into it. But the season so far to have the ACC title, what does that mean to, uh, to you, to Duke fans, to everyone that Duke's been able to win it for the first time in 12 years? Yeah, I mean, to think just to think of that statement that we've not won it since 2010. Uh, by the way, uh, some good things happened in 2010. By the way, yeah. uh, the year, the last year we did win it. Um, to think about that, I, and I, I understand that the ACC tournament is a little bit more significant and important, I believe, to Mike to Mike Krzyzewski and to the Duke staff. Um, but it is it is, does say something that you win the regular season. I love this. You know, Coach K, he has his haters, right? Of course, right. he has his haters. And one of the things they hate about Coach K is that he doesn't play many true road games outside of the conference. And they're right. That's fine. This year, we only have one road ACC loss. <laughs> one. That was in overtime at Florida State by one point. Right. We are, we are averaging margin of victory, 13 Point six points per game margin of victory on the road in the ACC this year. So let, not only did we win the outright, well, are we going to win the outright title? I'm just going to speak that into existence. We're going to win the outright title uh, for the ACC, but we're going to do it in dominating fashion. Our losses were, I mean, so, so we had the one point loss to Florida State. We had the one point loss to UVA. Miami, what was that? Two points? Yep. Two points. So a total of four points in our three losses. Um, it was an absolute dominating performance from the beginning of the ACC season to the end of the ACC season. And so kudos to the coaching staff uh, for setting this team up properly, for doing things the right way. And kudos to these guys for coming out night in and night out on the road, uh, especially, uh, and just performing at the top at the top level for sure. So you've got in the uh, this team so far this season, as you mentioned, all the wins that they've had away from Cameron Indoor Stadium, nine ACC road victories, which is amazing because you're right, there always has been the criticism that Duke doesn't play true road games. Uh, and, and sure, sure, we'll have that discussion. 
But also what's true is that you win a national championship on a neutral site. Duke did that as well. And some of their best performances were uh, on neutral site floors against Kentucky and Gonzaga, two teams that many people believe will be in the final four when it's all said and done. And Duke has already beat both of those teams this season. And on top of all of that, you look at the conference as a whole, you look at the dominance and this can kind of go into the uh, Mike Krzyzewski coach of the year discussion, however you want to frame it in all of 2022. And again, we're in the month of March now on this uh, Thursday, March 3rd in all of 2022, there has only been one team in the ACC ranked in the AP top 25. And it's been Duke every single week. No other team has been able to join them in that regard. And Duke is just taking care of business any way you look at it. Yeah, the critics are right. The ACC is down this year. There's sure. no question about it. I think any, any logical fan has to acknowledge that. I will say this, even with the ACC being down, when you go and you play on the road in, in your conference, I don't care if you're Gonzaga playing in the conference, playing in the WCC. I don't care where you're at. When you go on the road in conference play and you go nine and one, that's impressive. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You, you, you had to go on the road into these environments. And you know this. We Duke fans all know this. Your fan, There's going to be a sellout. It's going to be right. the biggest number of fans, largest number of fans there for that game. And someone on the opposing team is going to have a career night. <laughs> someone. Kihei Clark is going to hit all those threes and, of course, come out the next night and absolutely lay an egg. Right. And that's just what's going to happen. And it happened all year, and Duke withstood it. And uh, so, once again, just credit. It's been it's been really, really incredible to see. And I'm so happy that it's working out this way, you know, during Coach K's last season. 31,000 people or 33,000, whatever the number was. Sarah, I mean, just insane the number of people that were in New York this past weekend to watch Duke take on Syracuse. Kind of speaking to your point there. So, nine wins in the ACC for Duke. The last time they had that many wins on the road in conference, again, nine road wins, I should say, Duke was, it was 2015 and Duke won the national championship. The last time they won the ACC regular season title was 2010. Duke also won the ACC tournament that year. They also won the NCAA tournament that season. So we're hoping that the, those things also continue to hold true for Mike Krzyzewski in his final season here. All right. I want to talk about the North Carolina game and more right after our final break of today's show with Josh Cox. Today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online for all the latest odds for all things college basketball. Here in the month of March, you've got to check on betonline.net, your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Over, under, total, player performance props, and so much more. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Final segment here today of Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson, hanging out with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Again, if you go to the Duke Football Talk feed there with the Section 17 podcast, you're going to see an amazing interview with Mike Elko, the Duke Football Head Coach. Uh, Josh, kind of tell us a little bit about that once again, why people should go check it out and uh, what to expect this football season with the, the Section 17 podcast. Yes, certainly. Coach Elko was so kind to sit down with us. We asked him a few football questions, but then we got into some personal questions about him. And our goal in that interview was for Duke football fans uh, to get to know their new head coach, uh, get to know a little bit more about him, 
And uh, and so he's a unique guy. Um, and so we want to encourage you. It's it's a different interview than what you've if you've heard him on any other podcast. I promise you, it's a different interview. We're not asking the same old same old questions. Um, and, and try not to get the same old, same old answers, right? So uh, go check that out. Um, we are looking forward uh, to spring practice coming up. He kind of teased it out there. Uh, he, he posted all the dates for practices, and it's got Duke fans wondering if practices are going to be open uh, this year, which would be super cool, like unprecedented. Right. Um, we would love that. And then obviously the spring game on April the 16th on Saturday at 6 p.m. We're hoping a lot of Duke fans make it out for that. Uh, but there's some exciting times. If you follow our feed, too, we're even having some interaction with uh, Duke Athletic Director Nina King. We call her. She's a friend of the pod. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're uh, we're interacting with Nina. And who knows, maybe one day we'll land that interview. That's awesome. Check it all out. Section 17 podcast. And then our fun Twitter follow at Duke FB Talk. All right. So we've got one more basketball game this season coming up on Saturday inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, prices for this game are outrageous. We've known this. We remember it at the start of the year when Mike Krzyzewski was talking about the auction where four tickets sold for a million dollars. Just unreal, uh, the price point that these tickets are going at. Uh, we're hearing over 80 players, former players, are likely to be there for Mike Krzyzewski's final send-off. I cannot wait, and I want to, and I think all Duke fans do, just sit there, and if you're not able to be at the game, which, you know, it's not the biggest venue in the whole wide world, and prices are insane, and knowing that so many former players are going to be back there, and they're going to get a spot to sit down and enjoy the game, not as many people will be there for the UNC game. And so with that being said, watching it on television, I think everyone is just thrilled to soak in every single second of it. It's going to be incredible TV. Yeah. It really will. And I really hope, and I believe they will, I hope ESPN – you know, highlights those former players. And a lot of times if you're not at a game, you don't you don't see or hear about who's right. there. But I hope they do that. It's going to be unique. I, I'm actually intrigued at who shows up to this game that's not a former player. You know, we've had former President Obama has attended games. Right. Jason Garrett. You know, people <laughs> like that. Um, who knows? I, I think it's going to be interesting to see who's sitting down there on that lower level, either under the baskets or behind the Duke bench. That's going to be um, interesting to see. And then – you know, you're right. The ticket prices, I mean, they're incredible right now. You can't find anything under $3,000. I think it's $3,500 uh, right now on StubHub. Um, I do think it's going to be a little bit unique. Now, the students are going to be fine. They're going to be normal. It's going to be as loud as it possibly could be in there from the student's perspective. But I do believe that a lot of Duke uh, season ticket holders who sit up behind the students, behind the railing, have sold these tickets. And so I think – there's going to be a lot of people at this game who maybe have not been to a Duke uh, game before, definitely not been to a Duke-UNC game before. I think it could be a little bit of a different vibe in there um, on, on Saturday. Not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, just different. And, and I will say this, if you're a Duke fan and you've got friends or family that are going to the game, you know, there's always things that pop up at the last minute. Keep your phone on. <laughs> be ready to answer phone calls and text messages Friday night into Saturday. You never – know what could happen and you could land the yep. most the most expensive ticket in the history of college sports no uh, for sure you know just by just by keeping your phone on you never sure. know yeah that's a good message for everybody 6 p.m eastern tip off on saturday on espn talking about duke and north carolina the final game at home for mike Krzyzewski. uh the basketball power index on espn right now 
gives Duke a 87.1% chance to win this game. They defeated the Tar Heels by 20 in Chapel Hill. Uh, Duke should win this basketball game. They should beat the Tar Heels. It needs to happen. I cannot, I just would not be able to stomach the idea of Mike Krzyzewski walking off his court for the final time following a loss. I don't know. I just get a little nervous because it is Duke UNC. Things do always happen. They are going to be amped up for this game. North Carolina, give them credit. They're one of the best programs in the sport in the all-time series. We well know North Carolina has the edge, whatever. They're going to be jazzed uh, to play in a basketball game like this. So Duke has to still be sharp and get the job done. There's no doubt. And you know nerves are going to play into it a little bit. And you're hoping – I believe this is where the leadership of Paulo Bancaro can really help us. Paulo seems to keep a pretty level head, um, and he loves the moments like this. Right. Uh, this is the reason why he came here. He knew what he was getting into. And so I believe we're going to have to lean on that a little bit. And we have to be prepared. I mean, uh, Brady Manick went went off on us when we were at Chapel Hill, right? So right. we got to be prepared for that. And then we also know, I mean, Caleb Love can go from looking like the worst guard in the history right. of UNC basketball to scoring 15 points in the last three minutes of a game. Like, we know he can turn it on, right? And he has – this is personal for him. Uh, we I think we've spoken before about how Duke kind of backed off of Caleb Love and recruiting when they went after Jeremy Roach. And so they basically told him no. And so he's held that uh, personal thing against Duke. And I understand that. I get that. And then, of course, for some reason, we have absolutely targeted Armando Baycott yeah. uh, as, as, a, uh, as a team – and, you know, uh, he's playing really, really good basketball, uh, at least his last couple of games. And so who knows what will happen, man. I, I do think we're going to have to come out, and we've got to be ready to go. Um, and, you know, I, I would I would imagine that this game is a little bit closer than probably what it should be. Um, and, and you know what? Good. Duke Carolina games ought to be. And so no matter what the records are, no matter what the numbers say, we ought to get in there, and it ought to be a tough a tough game that we ought to have to fight and claw to win. Always. Always. That's how it turns out. 27 points for A.J. Griffin in the first meeting. Uh, the Caleb Love dynamic is crazy to think. I mean, he had 25-plus performances in the meetings last year uh, between the two schools when Caleb Love was a freshman. Uh, played high school basketball in St. Louis. His dad – or, excuse me, his coach was Jason Tatum's dad, another kind of twist – to the Duke UNC perspective for Caleb Love. So he's going to be fired up to uh, to get the job done. And ultimately, I think you and I both agree, Duke will be able to find a way to win this basketball game and, and send Coach K off victoriously. There's just the moment and kind of the, the, the uh, reservations that can go along with that sometimes when you do feel so good going into a Duke UNC game. Yeah, for sure. And there's a lot going on here. I mean, ESPN will be there for college game day. Right. Uh, they've got pregame starting an hour and a half before the game. Uh, they have unique uh, cameras um, that are going to stay on Coach K the whole game. And you can watch a, you know, a separate feed on ESPN, too, or whatever it is. I mean, this is as much like, you know, the Super Bowl as you can get as far as college um, athlete athletics is concerned. And so it is going to be different. But, hey, listen, these guys are, are five-star Division one college athletes, they did not come to Duke to sit in the shadows and to play Elon, right? Like at the end of the day, like they came to Duke to be on the biggest stage that you can possibly be on in college. And guess what? This Saturday night at 6 p.m. at Cameron North Stadium is the biggest stage that they will be on, barring the national championship game, barring the right. final four. 
this is the biggest stage they will be on. And so, hey, I say this. That's what you're made for, guys. This is why you came to Duke. Go out and play basketball. Get it done and find a way to win that game inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. All right, last thing for you before we get out of here again, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Make sure you watch every single second of the game because it's uh, it's going to be one that you don't want to miss. When you look at the game being played and knowing that you and I uh, and so many Duke fans that are under a certain age, I'll throw the number out there, 42, right, the number of years that Mike Krzyzewski has been the head coach for Duke basketball. That's the only thing you know when it comes to following the sports is Mike Krzyzewski being on the sideline. So as fans, we do get the sense that we kind of know Mike Krzyzewski, his persona during the game and the things that could be said. Do you think we'll see any emotion at all on the face of Coach K or what do you think it's going to be like to watch him as this game unfolds, knowing it's the last time he coaches a game in that building? Yeah, I think there's one thing we can say about Coach K because he preaches this. He wants to live in the moment. Right. Right. He wants to live in the moment. And so when there's an under under 16 timeout, he wants to live in that moment. Right. He has those two and a half, three minutes with the guys. He's going to live in that moment. I do personally, though, because of that, that's a positive on in one sense. But I do believe some some point in time in that game, whether it's when he walks out before the game starts, maybe he's coming back out after halftime. I don't know when it will be, but I think there's going to be at some point in time in that game, he's going to sit down and just try to take it in and live in that moment. And I don't know what that'll look like. Coach K doesn't – he's not a super, like, teary-eyed, emotional kind of guy. <laughs> but, man, how can you not right. being 42 years on that sideline and seeing the program let's, – let's face it, that he has built. I mean, it's him. And – um, I think he's going to take some time. I don't know how it's going to work. I, I don't know what's going to – it's going to be like at the end of the game. I mean, the fans aren't going to leave. Right. I don't know what's – he's got to come back out. He's got to address the crowd. I don't know. I, Players that are on the floor playing for him, right? And we've talked about this before. The, the best number one college basketball analyst that there is is Jay Billis. He's going to be on the headset. He literally played for the man that he's breaking down a game for. So he's there. And then when Mike Krzyzewski kind of looks around, 80-plus former – like, you're going to see so many people. Yeah, um, so many guys, so many point guards that he's hugged <laughs> as they've come off the court at the end of the last game of the season, right? So many Steve Wojciechowski's and right. Chris Collins and J.J. Redick and whatever it may be. All of those emotions have got to come flooding back. Tyus Jones, Quinn Cook, you know right. Quinn will be in the house. Like, right. like these these guys, uh, and Coach, the, the really neat thing about Coach K is he has a unique relationship with every one of these guys. Yeah. A Chris Duhon right. feels a, a unique connection to Mike Krzyzewski, just like Tyus and Trey Jones, right? Like, right. And so all and these guys – And we go further back, right, where – Grant Hill is going to be at the game from the nineties yeah. and, and the yep. championship era that was there. Yeah, for sure. And if Duke fans keep your eye out, see if you see a Christian Leitner siding, I'm going to say <laughs> no, uh, Christian doesn't get around uh, Durham too much, but that'll be interesting when I'm keeping yeah. my eye out for that one. Um, but, but then you've got your other guys who won't be able to be there that are coaching right? or their NBA you right. know, front office guys are coaching in the NBA, whatever it may be that would love to be there. I think about a guy like Quinn Snyder, who was right. very important, not only playing for Duke, but then in those early days in recruiting, I mean, Quinn was the guy. And, uh, and so I think about a guy like him uh, who's now in the NBA with Utah jazz, he's not gonna be able to be there probably I'm assuming. Um, but at the end of the day, I just can't wait, man. It's going to be awesome. 
God, I mean, I'm trying to get my perspective, you know, just win the basketball game because I want to enjoy all the other things that are taking right. place. Right. Amen. Win the game. That's all we're at. Yep. Even if, like we said, if it's by one point, a win is a win is a win. You're ACC champs. It's Coach K's final time. And then let's go take care of business in the tournaments that are uh, set to be played. Coming up on Saturday, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Josh, I can't wait to break it all down with you next week and get set for the ACC tournament. Thanks again uh, for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. Go Duke. That's uh, Josh Cox joining us here today on Locked On Blue Devils. It wraps up another edition of the program coming up tomorrow on our Friday podcast, the final preview for Duke UNC, what to expect for Mike Krzyzewski's final game inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review. I ask that you do the same for the Section 17 podcast and check out their interview with Duke football head coach Mike Elko. For Josh Cox, I'm JJ Jackson. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you and good day.